see what Jesus and so many of the Old Testament writers promised. A physical earth. He will come back as the reigning king. He will establish his kingdom and we will reign with him. This is Beholding Christ. I'm Matt Williams, your host. Welcome to part nine of The Beatitudes, Flourishing in Christ's Kingdom from Pastor Paul Twiss. His text for today is found in the New Testament Gospel of Matthew, chapter five, verse five, quote, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Pastor Paul has joined us today. So pastor, talking about meekness, I can already hear people thinking meekness. Wait a second, a human doormat doesn't look like godliness to me. That's right, Matt. Certainly our society favors the notion of being assertive, even aggressive, as an indication of strength. We've lost the idea that meekness can be a a virtue. Webster's Dictionary describes it as being patient, mild, not inclined to anger. And not only have we moved away from Jesus' teaching on meekness, we forget that Jesus spoke of himself as being meek. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, Of course, he beckons his followers to come and find rest for their souls in him. Thanks, Pastor, for that clarification. It's always good to have these small talks. And now, here is part nine of The Beatitudes, Flourishing in Christ's Kingdom. The meek readily accept criticism. So thinking about that horizontal and vertical axis of the meek, they trust the Lord and they are at peace with others. It would mean they are ready to accept criticism, even when it is ill-founded. I remember the advice I was given many years back when criticism is brought against you. Slow down, because however ill-placed it might seem, usually there is some truth in there somewhere. I think of the story of Helen Roosevelt, When she was in the missionary training college, desiring to be sent out to Africa as a missionary, she had a time of probation where she simply was given a a series of chores and responsibilities to go about in the missionary training house. And at the end of it, the board would meet and they would give her a seal of approval and she would be sent out. And Helen Roosevelt recounts how she considered that board meeting to be a mere formality. It was just a matter of time before she'd be on her way to Africa, and then, of course, the board met, and they refused to send her. And the feedback that she was given is that they've seen pride in your life. And she writes how she was devastated. She examined herself over and over and could see no pride in her life. And so her mind was to burst into the board meeting the next time they met and to tell them how wrong they were. And then she says how she quietened her heart. And she said, if they see pride in my life, there must be pride in my life. And I will seek by God's grace to go about my responsibilities with a renewed humility. What else does it look like practically? 
It's a willingness to not retaliate when you suffer wrong. Not only are you ready to accept criticism, but when you are wronged, you are not burdened to retaliate, to exact the wrong on your terms. This week, we were working through a portion of the Sermon on the Mount as a family, and with my kids, we thought through what does it mean to turn the other cheek. And we agreed it means you don't retaliate. It's a wonderful lesson in a home with six children. Well, that's a very difficult thing because it is an attribute of meekness. What else does it look like? To be meek is to bear patiently with the failings of others. If meekness is a disposition of trust before God and a a peace amongst others, it would include bearing patiently with the failings of others. That you're not trying to correct everyone, you're not trying to micromanage, but you're willing to exercise patience as you see those around you fail. All of these and many more that we could list are what we see when we encounter someone who is genuinely meek. Now, if you ponder it, if you ponder this attribute, at least two things come to mind. One is just how impactful meekness truly can be. I don't know if you have someone in mind as you think about meekness. If you've ever met someone who exudes meekness, you see the profound and powerful testimony they have for the sake of the gospel. It is remarkable to meet someone who conducts their life in such a manner that they can say, I'm meek, that the world would look at them and say, look at his meekness. It is a powerful thing to truly be meek. But then immediately what comes to mind is how difficult this is. Difficult for all of us. There are many hindrances to our pursuit of meekness, perhaps most fundamentally, It is our inbuilt desire to control everything. Our inbuilt reflex of our sinful flesh that is unwilling to say, God, your plan is best. And our desire to always be right amongst others. I was once asked, which Bible character do you most resonate with? I said, that's easy. It's Jacob. He fought with God. He was always pushing back against God's best for him. He was never willing to submit to God's plan for his life. God had to break his hip to get him to submit. And every time I read of his story and think upon him, I see the sinful tendencies of my flesh. Not least a lack of meekness. So then that leads us to ask our second question. How do we obtain meekness? And perhaps you're already there in your thinking to obtain meekness is to look towards Christ as our example. You may be already there in your thinking, not least because Jesus tells us to do this exact thing. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take up my yoke, my burden, which is light. Why? Because I am meek. 
He instructs us, learn from me because I am meek. That word there that is often translated gentle is exactly the same word that is found here in Matthew 5.5. And as many have pointed out along the way, this is one of the few instances where Jesus draws attention to one of his attributes. Most often, if you read the life of Christ, what you see curiously is that Jesus is not in the business of telling us of his attributes. He simply allows the testimony of his ministry to stand for itself. We observe along the way his power and his strength and his truthfulness and his gentleness and his care and his forgiveness. Very seldom does he actually say, I want you to know this about me. And here is one example. I am meek. And it comes with the imperative, so therefore learn. Learn from me because I'm meek. And we see it all through the life of Christ. Consider in the garden of Gethsemane when he could see the cross before him. He understood in a way that you and I do not fully comprehend the wrath of God that was coming toward him. And he asked in all honesty with his humanity on display, Lord, take this cup from me. And then the very next thing he says, but not my will, only yours be done. Your will be done. In that moment, he is exuding meekness. Or as Isaiah the prophet tells us in his trial and leading up to the cross, he was struck by men, spat upon, mocked and scorned, and he did not open his mouth. He didn't retaliate. He didn't try and right those wrongs right there and then. His spirit wasn't boasting with pride that, that needed to right all of these injustices. Wonderful example of meekness that he commands us to learn from. Now, with that being said, there is a very important precursory note that we must state. It is a note that pertains not only to his Imperative there in Matthew 11, learn from me, but is a note that pertains to the Beatitudes as well, and indeed all of the times when we might find Christ to be an example. Often through the Gospels, it is right and proper to look at Jesus as our example, but only after you have found him to be your Savior. That is the precursory note that you must always bring to mind as you look to Christ so as to imitate him, you have to remember that you can only do so when you have found him to be your savior. Think again about that double imperative in Matthew 11. It is not simply learn from me because I am meek. Don't miss the imperative that precedes that. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and only then may you learn from me. You cannot learn from Jesus until you have submitted to him, until you have repented of your sin and embraced him as the only one that can fix the great problem of your sin before a holy God. And this relates also to the Beatitudes. We need to remind ourselves weekly, he is not giving criteria that we must obtain in order to be counted as his disciples. 
Remember the broader context, it was not long before that he preached his first sermon in Matthew's gospel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn away from your sin, implication, cast yourself upon me. Then, as my disciple with a new heart, with faith in me, then you will start to demonstrate these characteristics. The Beatitudes should only ever be understood as characteristics of his disciples. You run to Christ first as a Savior. Then, by His grace, you strive toward the roadmap that He gives for discipleship, knowing that because of the new heart God has given you, these will become truths in your life. As you are faithful to submit to God's Word, to continue to gaze upon Christ, This is what it would look like to be his disciple. As we move and we think about the baptisms we'll celebrate after the service today, everyone going into the baptistry will share with you their testimony of salvation. Listen. Listen to these testimonies because not one of them will say to you, my life changed when I decided to make Jesus my example. That is not what they're saying. That is never the turning point for anyone. My life changed when God opened my eyes and presented to me Christ as a Savior. A Savior for my sin. The only means by which I might be made right with God. And then and only then does He become for you an example. So it is entirely appropriate that we look to Jesus and learn from him as an example of meekness. But only after we have found him to be a savior. And if you are here this morning and have never confessed the unworthiness of your life before a holy God, never acknowledge the reality of your sins, if you haven't grieved, your manifold sins and wickedness. And you have not cast yourself upon Jesus Christ as your Savior. He may not be your example today. First, look with faith to Christ. Confess your sins. Confess His Lordship. And then learn from Him that you might be meek. What is the reward of such meekness? Remember, every beatitude has a twofold blessing built into it. We've spent some time in the last two weeks thinking about this opening word of each beatitude, blessed. And we've talked about how an acceptable translation here could easily be flourishing joy-filled, even happy. This word and the theology from which Jesus is drawing in the Old Testament speaks of a, a spiritual prosperity now, a flourishing of your heart and your spirit now. And within each beatitude, there is a forward-looking promise. The second half, when Jesus says four, and then he issues an end-time salvific blessing. So by adhering to this portion of his sermon and taking these beatitudes seriously, we are doubly blessed. 
both now and in the days to come. So what is the nature of the reward? Blessed are the meek. In the here and now, the nature of the reward is that meekness is a barrier to all anxiety and a fount of peace. I trust you can see this just as you ponder the theology of meekness. It's there in Psalm 37. Read through again this afternoon. See what the psalmist says about the meek and see how one of the immediate fruits of being meek is that you have set up a barrier in your life against all anxiety. However the world might try to instruct your heart that would only ever lead to anxiety, you are pursuing meekness, and so that cannot get in. There is a barrier established around you that gives rise to a fount of peace, of the utmost peace. Why? Because you conduct each and every day with a disposition of heart that is oriented towards trust in the Lord, trust in His plan for your life, and peace amongst men. As you trust in the Lord and you pursue peace with others, anxieties will flee and peace will abound. That is the nature of the immediate blessing, the flourishing, the joy that meekness brings. Additionally, the future-oriented blessing Jesus tells us is that the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, in previous weeks with the first two Beatitudes, one thing we have noted is the, the tension, the juxtaposition that exists between the idea of flourishing and then whatever the Beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. How can that be? This week, that tension is not so much in the first half of the verse, but it shifts to the second. Blessed are the meek, and I trust you can see how being truly meek does bring about a level of joy and happiness because you guard yourself against anxiety and pursue peace. But how is it the meek will inherit the earth? This tension would have been much more acutely felt by those in Jesus' day. They were anticipating, waiting for a military Messiah. They wanted a Messiah who would show up with sword in hand and would overthrow the Roman government by violence. They were waiting for such a man who would, who would overthrow the Roman government and reclaim their land. They had a strong desire for this very promise. We will inherit the land. But they only thought it would come by violence. And the tension that they would undoubtedly have felt is that Jesus is saying the only way by which you might gain an inheritance of the whole earth is through meekness. It's not through violence. It is not through violence physically, nor is it by violence in your heart. Be quiet in your heart that you might inherit the earth. Jesus says, and as we've seen so many times, this is a doctrine of which the Old Testament speaks, that there is a day coming when Jesus shall return and establish his kingdom on this earth. And when he does so, it will be a joyful day for all of his disciples. 
We read and meditated upon these kind of truths in Isaiah 61 just this morning. It is a doctrine that is so often lost in the church today. The reason it is so often lost is because all too often we consider our future reality as being somewhat akin to floating around on a cloud, playing harps. There's no real sense of a physical inheritance. See what Jesus and so many of the Old Testament writers promised. A physical earth. He will come back as the reigning king. He will establish his kingdom and we will reign with him. And we will enter that kingdom in meekness. There is a hymn that Isaac Watts wrote about this very doctrine. He said, there is a land of pure delight where saints immortal reign. Endless days exclude the night and pleasure banishes pain. We need to hold on to these promises. You must bring to mind the twofold blessing of meekness. A sure and steady barrier against anxiety, a fount of all peace and a future inheritance. So that in the face of all that would instruct us to behave otherwise, we might take seriously Jesus' exhortation to pursue life in a manner that is genuinely meek, clinging to Christ as our Savior. May we look to Him as our example. May we be those who are meek, because blessed are they. They shall inherit the earth. Father, we praise You for Jesus' words that we have thought upon this morning. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We give you thanks that you have provided a means by which we may be genuinely meek. We look to Jesus. We learn from him. He is our foremost example in this respect. He had a disposition of trust towards you and peace amongst men. Father, may it be true of us. But may we only look to Christ as our example after having embraced him as our saviour. And as we cling to Christ as our Savior and follow him as his disciples, grant us meekness that we would be blessed and that we would inherit the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Beholding Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, tells us that Jesus said, as he instructed his disciples, quote, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. End quote. Jesus' life was an example of meekness throughout, and at death's door, it was no exception. He did not retaliate. Taking this beatitude in its completeness, Christ said that the meek will inherit the earth. How so? Well, Pastor Paul observed today that the Jews in Christ's day were expecting a military Messiah to free them from Roman domination. But let's remember what the prophet Isaiah said, quote, God's way is not man's way, end quote. 
Beholding Christ is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twist, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. To learn more about loving Christ and following His example, come to our website, beholdingchrist.org. That's our new website, beholdingchrist.org. Select Resources on the homepage for free access to our audio archives, including a treasury of gospel teaching to help you. And finally, if you don't have a home church, come worship with us this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks, and I assure you, you will be warmly welcomed. Join us tomorrow, part 10, Beatitude number 4, Hungering and Thirsting for Righteousness, an Impossibility Without Christ. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening.